0: Strangers and Aliens, episode 156, The Childishness of Geekdom. Thoughts on Simon Pegg's Thoughts.
1: Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. To boldly say what needs to be said...
0: Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a
1: strange alien? The truth is out there.
0: I am your father's best friend, Marvel.
1: Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk.
0: Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for First
1: thing that God did so was that He created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Alien Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to Strangers and Alien, the podcast about sci fi, Christianity, fantasy and faith, creativity and creation
1: a lot of stuff
0: it is it is a lot of stuff and we're about to throw more stuff at this (laughs) i'm ben avery and i have been joined by my friend and maybe even yours
1: steve mcdonald
0: hi steve how you doing buddy
1: pretty good how you doing
0: Uh, pretty good pretty good um it's (laughs) it's been a weird day not bad (laughs) just weird just weird yeah just, just just weird weird yeah we're finishing up our year with our with homeschooling and so that's uh, Yeah. So that's awesome. that's the we're weirdness actually, of it.
1: We're we're actually this close and I know you can't see it, but it's just that close to uh to homeschooling next year. So almost
0: that almost that close. I don't know, man. Almost
1: almost pulling the trigger.
0: <laughs> I can't see how close, but it's I'm that. in my mind, I'm picturing your fingers are very close.
1: They are very close. Yeah. They're very close.
0: <laughs> so, hey, uh, we're here to talk about Simon Pegg, Simon mm-hmm. Pegg, who was uh, one of the driving forces behind Spaced. I don't know if you ever watched that show, Steve.
1: Uh, I'm trying to remember if I did or not. It's a,
0: a BBC comedy. I think it's BBC, but it's, it's a British comedy anyway. Right. Uh, kind of like Big Bang Theory, only if it was funny. <laughs> um, Burn! Yeah. I actually was explaining it to someone the other day and and basically explained it to him. As you know, if you know Big Bang Theory, it is it's it's that set that's you know primetime sitcom, but it's American, it's very American, and Spaced goes to a lot of the same places, but does so in a comedy style that's very much that that British wry, dry sense of humor with with some character stuff behind it. Big Bang Theory, I just can't get into, I just can't, so I don't
1: know why. I Might just can't. for another show.
0: Maybe. Uh, next episode will be why can't Ben watch Big Bang Theory? So. <laughs> but uh, I
1: can't, I can't get past the bad theology in the theme song, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> the theme song wasn't written for theology because it obviously is not at all at all theological. It's well, pretty much just, I... "Hey guys, guess what? No god." <laughs>
1: Forget I, I think about them and,
0: and listen to the song.
1: I think everything is theology, so
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> that goes that's for a different show.
0: Yes, definitely. All that to say that you know it's not good theology. It's definitely bad. I, I would agree with you, it's bad if right, it was yeah. taken theologically, yes. But, right. Uh but yeah, we're here to talk about Simon Pegg. He okay. plays Scotty on the new Star Trek reboot. He is writing uh, doing a rewrite on the third Star Trek movie. He is, uh, he did the spaced, uh, m- uh, TV show. Right. He's also involved in Shaun of the Dead, right. Hot Fuzz, uh, some of those, those movies that, that are really, really popular in geek circles because they are very lovingly crafted toward, uh, people who are of the geek inclination. Mm-hmm. uh he is also kind of a poster child he even calls himself a, a poster child for kind of our geek generation
1: right
0: and spaced if i remember correctly the first episode of space starts out as uh he's just ripping into a kid a little kid for liking episode one <laughs> you know it, it's it's that kind of thing you know he he's definitely of our generation right. um he's also He's in uh, Mission Impossible. I mean, he, he's all over the place, really. as uh, a lot of different um, roles. But, you know, in pop culture, he's he's everywhere. And uh, basically, Steve, all that to say, he came out recently with an interview that he basically said, hey, you guys over at Strangers and Aliens really shouldn't be doing your podcast. That's right. Uh, just quickly take a pull quote here he says uh now we're essentially consuming very childish things comic books superheroes adults are watching this stuff and taking it seriously which is pretty much what this podcast is all about is taking this stuff and, and looking at it with a serious eye toward what it's trying to say and what it is saying but because of that i mean obviously he's not saying we shouldn't be doing this podcast but because of what he's saying there, what I just said, we, we look at this stuff and we take it seriously and we talk about it in a serious way. Um, his comments that he made, actually, they, they had some resonation and, and also caused me to, to say, well, I wouldn't go that far, but um, he, well, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. This is with uh, an interview he did with uh, the radio times, which is a magazine, uh, which actually comes out in print editions. I understand.
1: Is it British?
0: It's it a is. British. It is British. And here's what he says. This is part of part of what he says. He says, before Star Wars, the films that were box office hits were The Godfather, Taxi Driver, Bonnie and Clyde and The French Connection, gritty, amoral art films. Then suddenly the onus switched over to spectacle and everything changed. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing. Obviously, I'm very much a self-confessed fan of science fiction and genre cinema, but part of me looks at society as it is now and just thinks we've been infantilized by our own taste. Now we're essentially all consuming very childish things, comic books, superheroes. Adults are watching this stuff and taking it seriously. It's kind of dumbing down in a way because it's taking our focus away from real-world issues. Films used to be about challenging emotional journeys or moral questions that might make you walk away and reevaluate how you felt about whatever. Now we're walking out of the cinema and really not thinking about anything other than the fact that the Hulk just had a fight with a robot. But sometimes I feel like I miss growing up things and honestly thought the other day – and I honestly thought the other day that I'm going to retire from geekdom. I've become the poster child for that generation and it's not necessarily something I particularly want to be – I'd quite like to go off and do some serious acting. And so then there's some other things he said, like he's going to stop dressing like a teenager. Um, and that, but uh, he, that was the interview and it came out and a lot of, uh, a lot of things have been typed on blogs. A lot of things have been written on Facebook and Twitter about this. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that there are going to be other podcasters doing podcasts about this topic and, because of the way our schedule is working out, we're, we're recording this before I had a chance to see if any of our friends are actually going to be doing this in other podcasts. But this will probably be coming out after they do it. But um, we've we haven't actually recorded about Mad Max or Tomorrow Tomorrowland yet, and I want to, and I want those to be a little more timely. So when we when we do hit that, although Mad Max fits into some of what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. but yeah. So Steve. Um, you read his his follow-up then, too, where he right. went to his blog and, and wrote about that. Um, what what do you get from his follow-up? Do you feel like he's backpedaling at all, or do you feel like he's just trying to uh, clarify what his comments are?
1: You know, I, I'm a pretty good uh, judge of when someone is backpedaling, and – what it seems like, and he actually uh, goes into a little bit of this in, in his, his thing. Let me see if I can pull it out real quick. I don't know. Um, but basically, he says – I think he's, he, he's talked and thought about this stuff and talked about it and was at a place where he was just sort of verbally downloading and was able to get a lot of stuff out there and maybe it wasn't as 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 cogent as it could have been and you know then obviously, obviously it's in print he has nothing else to do except to deal with it and um and then all of a sudden there's a firestorm on the website about it you know on the on the, on the internet about it yeah. so he had to clarify himself and i think he Basically saying, I'm not a perfect person. I said some stuff, and this is what I really meant. And that's the sense I'm getting from the follow up article. That it's not a backpedal, but it's more of a uh, a a commentary on on what he had said. And it, it, he does come up with what with probably some. He ends up in a different place than than you would have thought, given the original article. So it's it's kind of interesting, you know. I, I like I said, I'm, I'm usually a pretty good judge of when someone's trying to backpedal or someone's trying to, uh, you know, dig themselves out of a hole, which you know you can't really do. But he he does go on to make his points clearer, and he does go on to, uh, to sort of more fully flesh out at least his thought processes on the whole process.
0: Yeah, and he, I look at his original thoughts, and I've seen. Pretty much just a lot of snark mm-hmm, <laughs> in, yeah. in answering what he's saying, Uh because I think people did take that as a condemnation right. of their thing, you know, and it is somewhat. But at the same time, there's some truth to what he's saying, too. Right. there. There is definitely some truth. To what he's saying about, you know, the spectacle thing. In fact, that's one of my we've talked about doing this. We still haven't done this episode yet, Steve, but uh, the episode title being. Star Wars, how it both um, saved sci-fi and ruined sci-fi.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, I mean, it really did change things and and sometimes for the better because it got people interested in it. Mm -hmm. And then in other ways for the worse, because it did create people trying to do copycats where maybe not even necessarily trying to copy every single element of star Wars, but they're trying to copy the success and trying to catch that lightning in a bottle. Star Wars came out of nowhere and just was this huge thing, just huge. And then not only that, not only was it huge out of the gate, but then it came out with a sequel that actually surpassed the original. And and brought those characters back and and presented them in a way that was even more exciting because you knew them already mm-hmm. and you're throwing them into this new story that's kind of dark and kind of, uh, you know, what's going to happen. And it's uneasy because of the way it it ends. It, yeah. it, it ends with you in an uneasy place of well, what's going to happen. And, you know, then with the third movie, that's the happy ending. Right. That's great. You know, it, it's the end of the story. And, and that's that universe lends itself to a happy ending but
1: uh, which is it, weird because you know if the force is all about balance then it should just have a balanced ending which it doesn't it
0: depends on what the force is balancing though i think that's <laughs> the question that needs to be answered in that conversation is what actually is getting balanced here you know is it just the energy forces or is it i mean we've got balance in our universe with gravity and stuff like that, where what's, what's the force actually balancing? That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> um But anyway, the, the, the point being star Wars definitely was a paradigm shift and he's talking about that. Like star Wars caused it so that the Godfather couldn't have happened afterwards. You know, he's talking about how uh, in the seventies, you know, before Star Wars, it was Godfather, Taxi Driver, Body and Clyde. Yeah. There was other stuff going on during that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now there wasn't a lot of exciting sci-fi,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, and and there wasn't a lot of the you know the B movie sci-fi stuff from the seventies. I haven't seen. I, I really don't see too much other than like Godzilla, Gamera, some of these other things kind of coming over across the ocean for for that, but.
1: Oh, well, you had Logan's Run, you had you know Planet of the Apes series, yeah, you yeah, had you're right, you're stuff right. like that. But none of it was, was a game changer. None of it was groundbreaking.
0: And even then, they were intended – intended. I don't know how successful some of those were, but they were intended to be thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. And that's another point that he's making here is that modern blockbusters basically – the things that people are actually going to see aren't provoking thought. Now, I disagree.
1: I would disagree, yeah. Um, I mean, even with the, you know, he, he talks about the Avengers, you know, the Hulk fights a big robot. But if you think about it in the sense that the Hulk is a monster, and to to fight this thing, Iron Man has to become a super huge robot a monster robot you know and uh steve rogers has the stuff in his blood that makes him monstrously huge you know albeit normal human almost you know just heightened to the extent of normal human but monstrously so you know the the background of the black widow is monstrous so you have all these monsters and they're dealing with their monstrosity you know and,
0: and in doing so they're dealing with a pretty monstrous foe as well right
1: exactly who's, so caused, who's you, forcing
0: them to confront that
1: right so i'm coming away with with that as you know my takeaway you know dealing with the monster within and they don't do it perfectly they don't do it in a christian way but that's what they're dealing with so you know yeah. even in the avengers movies even in, in the 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 marvel movies you're dealing with these really interesting deep little nuggets that are in there for a reason you know they they put them in there on purpose so people will uh, will be pulling them out and looking at them and everything it's not just mindless you know hulk hitting a robot type stuff you know so i mean even uh the uh what was it the pacific rim which was basically giant robots fighting giant monsters you know, yes. lots that of movie, monsters
0: punching robots.
1: Exactly. Cannot, that
0: movie, cannot, cannot recommend this movie enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that's even with that, at the beginning of, of that whole thing, before I, I went to see the movie, I said, I just hope they don't ruin it by putting a plot in there. Because how cool is that? You know, giant robots fighting giant monsters. But they did. They Put a, a a little plot in there, and it was just enough to tie everything together and to make it seem three dimensional instead of just robots fighting monsters, which would have been cool. But all of a sudden, you get something even cooler. And you know, maybe he's he's missing those things. I can't imagine he no, really he, is. Because, I don't think he's
0: missing those things. I think he's overstating. Is be. what's happening here? Because yeah. in his uh, in his follow up, where he kind of clarifies things, he does mention. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, right? which depending on how things worked out, you and I have both talked about already <laughs> on the podcast yeah. uh, or I have just done a solo episode or I brought in <laughs> someone else to talk about it with me one way or another. We have probably already talked about Mad Max. It is quite possible that things didn't work out and we're talking about Mad Max in a couple weeks, but
1: <laughs> you never know. We
0: yeah. Unfortunately, I can't refer backward or forward on this specifically, <laughs> other than to say, and I don't want to play my hand too much. Well, you've already heard the episode, right? This time travel thing is really confusing me. Okay. Uh, but if I've already talked about it in the past, I've already shown my hand. But it's a deep movie. But its depth is it, it comes through under a very glitzy. And spectacular visual uh, presentation. And so you have have cars crashing into cars. And you have wacky looking and disgusting looking characters. Dealing, you know, shooting at people. (laughs) And you have all these big explosions and stuff. But beyond that, there is a theme that drives... The movie and he mentions that that's one of the the things he talks about he talks about tomorrowland which hasn't come out yet as far as this conversation goes so we haven't seen that yet uh he's he also hasn't seen it but he's assuming that it's going to be one of those movies that allows you to think and you know and then just in in recent past even more than age of ultron ultron i think had a couple more things going on that resonated with me in, in a different way than than with you but then you have winter soldier you know, right. which it it. I've heard people complain about how it tries to start asking some of those questions, but doesn't go much further than that. Uh, you know, questions about like surveillance, questions about uh, preemptive warfare, and right. and those kind of things. Although the preemptive warfare thing kind of bleeds into Age of Ultron as well, mm-hmm. uh, very explicitly, but it it does ask those questions and brings up those topics. Uh, so that if you want to, when you go to that movie, you're you're going to come out with with some you know nuggets to chew on. Uh, and on the other hand, the the good thing that they do with that that makes it kind of amoral is people you like and respect are on opposite sides of that question. You right. have Nick Fury who's like, "Yeah, we're doing this," and you have Captain America who's like, I, I can't." I can't sign off on this. And because it's Captain America, you're going to be with him. You know, you're, you know, you're on the right side with him. And so, you know, the the side that they put him on, you know, he, he could be saying, yes, you know what we need to do? Nick Fury. I'm going to go against you. I know Nick Fury that you say we shouldn't do this, but I'm going to go and get my club and find some baby seals. And you're like, it's Captain America. He's right. You know, but, um, so, yeah, that, that's the thing is there are elements of some of these big movies that are thoughtful and that can spark some thought and some conversation. And that's really what this podcast is devoted to is the conversation that gets sparked by those things. Right. That said, sometimes we have to dig pretty deep. <laughs> sometimes you know there's been a few times where we we've said yeah we're really reaching here (laughs) we're trying to come up with what's the theme of this movie that we can actually learn from or that we can actually you know have a conversation around uh we are really really reaching so (laughs) Uh, and that but so we have four categories here of, of what his thoughts were about and one is Infantilationism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One is anti intellectualism.
1: Right.
0: One is generationalism. Mm -hmm. And then one is escapism. And these are some things he touches on in a lot of different ways. And it's really, he does have very thoughtful uh, perspectives here. When he's talking about generationalism, and you brought this up, uh, he's got a thoughtful perspective on why our generation, Gen X and below. So, you know, Gen X and and those that follow. Why have our generations been able to hold on to our childhood and hold on to the nostalgia to where our nostalgia is something we didn't actually let go of in some cases. We carried Mm -hmm. it with us all the way through. So it's not even really nostalgia. Uh, it's, It's something we've, I've got comic books from when I was five.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I've got, you know, in a, in a box in my, my parents' garage, I have action figures that has been left behind. But the movies, I mean, I saw star Wars when I was three or four and how many times and, and I've watched, it, you know, two months ago, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so um, it's that kind of thing. Where we've been able to hang on to it. And he gives some interesting reasons why. I don't know how, how much you agree with his reasoning. Because you, you kind of brought it up as uh generational bias that he was talking about there.
1: Well, yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting look at it. Let me just pick up the actual part here. Because, you know, he's he's saying that that different generations had like here, He says, um, the children of the 70s and 80s were the first generation for whom it wasn't imperative to grow up immediately after leaving school. Why this happened is a whole other sociological discussion. A rise in the student population, progress in gender equality, the absence of world war. All these things and more contributed to this social evolution. What fascinated uh, him was the way that it was utilized this time. Um, not having to grow up simply meant a continuation of their childhood. So you don't have, um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm 18, I have to sign up for the draft and there's a war, so I'm going to be drafted and, you know, I'm probably going to be doing that. Or if not, I better get a job because, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have that immediacy. You had, you know, the, the, the space so people can say, I'm going to go backpack around Europe for a year you know, or I'm, I'm just not going to go. I mean, I, I grew up in that generation and, and I just chose not to go to college. I could have, basically my grandmother would have paid for it, but different things in my life were happening at the time where I just chose not to take advantage of that. So, you know, if it was a different time, if 50 years ago, of course, I, I, who, who wouldn't go to college for free or at least for very little, you know, I mean, just having that as an option, would, would, be, would have been amazing.
0: And you're talking about yourself um, now. That's not Simon Pegg talking. Right.
1: I'm, I'm just saying yeah. that, that what he was talking about was the generation that I grew up with where I had no real reason to grow up. So, you know, I stayed at my mom's house until I I, the, I, I moved out of my house the day I, I got married and moved into the, you know, eventually into the house that we live in now. So, you know, I, there was no reason for me to, to grow up. So I, I lived that. There wasn't any war, so there wasn't any imperative.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I look at what he's saying there, and I, again,
1: we've
0: we've lived that as well. I mean, obviously, I have to find. I find myself actually having to explain myself sometimes in my new job, uh, where I'm I'm taking on a role of authority and taking on a role of of ministerial leadership, mm-hmm. you know, with with children. And so I, I do get away with, I think, things that if I was, you know, associate pastor, I wouldn't be able to have like Superman action figure on my desk. You know, I've got I got four guys on my desk. They're the little Funko Pop things that, you know, with the huge heads and tiny bodies. I got right. Superman, Batman, Robin and Aquaman. I can get away with that because I work with kids, you know. <laughs> but I do have to sometimes explain myself a little bit about how I was able to you know, for years, make a career in comic books, you know, and, and even then everything that I have worked on as far as comic books go is just naturally assumed to be for children by now, you know, this kind of new group of people that I am getting, becoming a part of a new circle. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's not even, it's, it's not something that you can really look at and say, well, they're ignorant. They're not. <laughs> I, well, I mean, they're not ignorant people. They're not dumb people. Right. They are ignorant of the you know, the culture, so to speak, of geekdom. But it's and and it, I haven't met any resistance where people have been like, "Well, he's into what?" You know. But it has <laughs> been. Uh, I did take a weekend off to go and and have a table at a, a comic book convention, mm. and that's taken some explaining. Like, well, what is this? comic book conference thing you're going to you know and it's there's some explaining there because like i said that's part of my culture uh, on the geekdom side right um and so i'm turning around then and having to explain my world to people and for the most part it's it's a positive thing but but it is one of those where wow so you just never grew up huh you still read comic books you know (laughs) uh it it yeah, and so I I look at what he's saying there. That's what Spaced was all about. That that I think it was two seasons, maybe 16 episodes. But that that show Spaced was about this group of Gen Xers, you know, 30 something people. I believe it was the, when they made it, I believe they were 30 somethings, but they were just trying to navigate the world now. You know, and how do you act like an adult in a world when you've never been forced to be an adult you know mm-hmm. and so you know they're playing video games and they're making you know geek references that we're going to laugh at and laugh with uh but then they're also you know we're seeing that struggle of these these people who are navigating relationships and navigating rent and navigating uh jobs and and all that kind of thing yeah. and it shows up in Shaun of the dead too with simon Pegg where you know they're playing video games all the time and um the video game playing is actually a major part of one of the characters weird ending to his character arc uh i won't say anything more than that because if you haven't seen the movie uh there's just this strange moment at the end where i just kind of scratched my head and thought i don't know what this movie is trying to say i think i have it figured out and then no they're saying something completely different and Shaun of the Dead really is a movie about letting go and and letting go of family who needs to go on before you you know your your parents who are going to get old and die and and uh that kind of thing but so he gets involved in these projects that that do the thing he's talking about Mm -hmm. you know give you something to think about in the context of a zombie movie right so yeah uh so on that end, when he started making these comments or when the, or rather not when he started making the comments, when the comments started coming out, all I could think to myself was he is creating a very high bar for himself. Because hey. he's writing that Star Trek 3 right now. He's doing the the major rewrite on Star Trek 3 and he's saying, "Hey, this is you know, the popcorn spectacular." It's, it's dumbing us all down. <laughs> yeah. So, but there is some truth there. Now, that's the generationalism, which generationalism, not general. Yeah, generationalism, where he, he's talking about why has our generation been able? I mean, how have we enabled the dumbing down of right. our
1: generation? And I mean, the, and there are some movies that just don't don't move the needle you know they just sort of exist out there and they might be trying to say something about something but it just gets muddled or it's you know misstated or it's about something that's dumb <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: well in age of ultron you you mentioned that how it wasn't perfect i feel like age of ultron had some things some nuggets like we said i don't feel like it was all said I don't feel like all of what Joss Whedon wanted to say with that movie was allowed to be said. And a lot of it might've ended up on the cutting room floor or whatever. And some of it didn't get said the way he wanted it to be said
1: right?
0: or, you know, but that's also, there's, there's other factors at work. And one of those factors is dollars, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, studios want to make money. So they want to make movies that will make money. And
1: well, I would challenge that a little bit.
0: What they don't want to make money.
1: I think studios want to make money. Yes, but they also want to put out an ideology. So they will make money. Will make movies that make money, but they will also put out movies that move their ideology. Yeah, but we're talking big... about this.
0: We we're talking about the spectacle movies, though. We're talking about those big right. movies yeah. because there are. You're talking about like the prestige movies, then, where not not the movie by Christopher Nolan, but you're talking about right the billions of dollars that say a franchise could make is mm-hmm. going to allow them to make these other movies that are going to be the Oscar winners and that are going to be you know saying the big deep thing, but that no one sees, right? Or right. not no one, but you know the, enough the,
1: people see it so they can uh, parrot it to the culture and then you don't have to see it because you've got the message anyway.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, there's you you're right, but we're talking about what is what are the masses seeing? Right. Right. And what are they putting out there for the masses? And that's just it. I mean, because they want to make money. They're going to put out whatever is going to be popular. What is what's what's the populist uh message, you know, what is we if people don't want to think we're not going to make them think right if people don't want to be reminded about this then we're not going to let them be reminded about this right or on the other hand if they do want to be then then we're going to do it we're going to put it out there for them and that's where some of the directors and writers vision gets washed away and i'm actually hearing rumors then about star trek 3 that simon Pegg is actually part of this rewrite is because they want it to be less star Trekky, <laughs> you know? And so that's where another thing where I'm just kind of, I wonder if he's actually responding with his mouth, not to the question that's being asked to him by the interviewer, but to the feelings that he's having right now about being told, Hey, yeah, this is, this movie has too much thoughtfulness in it. Right. You know, there's just too much of a meaning, Let's put in more explosions,
1: you yeah, know, good point, good point. or more
0: jokes, uh, you know, cause that, that is one thing that Simon Pegg is you know, known for is, is the goofiness and the funniness and the funness of, of his movies. Right. And yeah, so that, that does make me wonder if he's, he's just kind of responding to a frustration there, but yeah. So, okay. So that, but that people want to go and see movies though. That allow them to escape, I think, and that's where Star Wars hit at the right, right. moment. Yeah, and Superman hit at the right moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the first Superman, the movie, right? Both of those movies were coming at the tail end of the seventies, where you have the gas crisis, you have the whole Vietnam debacle, has you know just caused people to lose faith in the government if they ever had it, you know, and and you know, Watergate and all, you know, all these dark things. And so you do have Serpico and you do have The Godfather and you do have uh, Bonnie and Clyde like he's talking about there and and all these gritty movies that are kind of reflecting the times. And then you have Superman and you have Star Wars and they both come and they're not Reflecting the times quite as explicitly. There is some reflection there. There is some things you could look at Star Wars and say it's a response, maybe not a reflection, but a response to Vietnam. Right. And to the hopelessness and to the gray ambiguity. Because in Star Wars, that first movie, there's no ambiguity. You know who's good. Yep. You know who's bad. You want the good guys to win. You want the bad guys yep. to lose. And Han Solo, who's probably the closest thing you have to a gray character, what does he do? He comes through in the end. Yep. You know?
1: Even though he shoots first in the Greedo scene.
0: But he comes through at the end, and he doesn't shoot first. Darth Vader does, but he, <laughs> he puts Darth Vader you know, in his place and sends him on his way, tumbling through space.
1: The way he
0: should be. Yeah, so he escapes the uh, explosion of the Death Star. Of course. Which I don't know why his out of control ship is able to escape the gravity of either the planet or the Death Star. But you know, whatever. Maybe it's like
1: the Force keeping the balance. <laughs> Maybe for the
0: ship. it See? is.
1: See, he
0: does regain balance with his ship yep. at the end of the movie. See? But
1: <clears throat> the balance.
0: You know the the point being. I think then with star Wars and Superman, you were getting the blockbuster because it was giving people something they wanted to see. They wanted to escape to, they wanted. I can't believe that Superman, the movie was the success that it was considering the time it was coming out. Mm -hmm. And you basically have this guy wrapped in a flag (laughs) coming on the screen and being, you know, truth and justice in the American way. I'm going to, protect you i'm gonna help you you know i'm gonna (laughs) and and i love it and so those movies hit me at a young age they hit me at formative times in my life but three and four year old formative little children are not who was driving the box office for star wars and superman there were adults going, going there were teenagers going there were teenagers going to those movies and loving them
1: and adults times. going to those movies
0: and saying, I can bring my kids to these movies.
1: Yeah. And what and, do the kids want to see? Oh, they want to see Star Wars again. Well, all right. Because it was such a fun movie. We'll, we'll go see it again.
0: Yeah. Well, and how else are you going to see it again? You have to wait for three years before it comes on network television. <laughs> and even <laughs> then, you better make it home and from church on Sunday night in time so you can see the beginning, right. you know?
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> and so that's – I I think there's – value there too i do think there is some value in and in moderation but there is some value to escapism there is some Mm -hmm. value to being able to sit down and and watch something that shows you something that's not a part of your world and that allows you for a moment to kind of forget your world i'll never forget the moment that i went and saw dumb and dumber (laughs) Now, I haven't gone back and rewatched this movie. I'm assuming it's not something I would recommend to, you know, kids and stuff. But I laughed so hard that I almost cried. But that was one of the worst days of my college life. Wow. And it has to do with girls, basically. You know, I had a girl who she was leaving me for another guy or something. I can't remember all the details behind what she did when she... Broke my heart that time. She broke my heart a couple times. But when I saw that movie, I
1: escaped. Yeah.
0: You know, the pain and the, and the angst and everything that college, <laughs> you know, college man, ben, man boy, Ben Avery was feeling. I go and watch this movie and I was just laughing and laughing and laughing. I didn't even want to go in the first place. And my friend's like, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go.
1: But I think one of the the things that a a good escapist movie can do, and I mean good in the sense of like almost like a Christian good is it lets you escape to a point where you can look at things objectively and say and and pull away and, and maybe you just have laugh and laugh and laugh, but for whatever reason, maybe I'm just throwing this out if if you are having something going on in your life that isn't funny. You have something that can take it out of there and give you that funny feeling so you can say to yourself, okay, maybe 20 years from now I'm going to laugh about this because I can laugh at something now and I'm still hurting. So if I can laugh at something while I'm hurting, then this hurt isn't this lethal hurt that you know I might think it is if I'm not thinking about it that way. So you can sort of take yourself out of that position, escape to a point where you can examine, you know, something in your life, and maybe it's about that thing that you're actually escaping from, and that would be the best, you know, of uh, best possibility. Um, mindless escapism, I think, you know, the, the Bible speaks against that. Um, but when it's when it's escaping, sort of retreating to a point where you can examine and then go in and attack that thing, or, or you know, do whatever. That's I think that's that has a good a good purpose to it.
0: Well, I, I I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly if this is, if this is the case, but I think it's close mm-hmm. to what you're saying in that when I went and saw dumb and dumber, which it's funny, there are some really funny, funny, funny things in it. Right. When I went and saw that movie though, and I'm in the midst of this funk and I'm sitting there with my arms crossed, just, I'm going to endure this movie. <laughs> you know, to be able to laugh, you know, the movie pushed me and forced me to laugh. Right. And to come out of that movie, it was, it was just to say, you know what? It's not going to last forever, man. You know, this funk, yeah. you know, I walk out of the movie. I still have to face. I mean, we lived on a college campus. We're going to see each other. You know, I'm still yeah. going to have to face the issues that were brought up by whatever it was that this, this college woman did to me, you know, but at the same time, like you're saying, I was able to say, you know what the pain it's there, but it's, it's not eternal pain. Right. And it's not even, it, it's not even uh, a controlling pain. It, you don't have to let it control you, you know, <laughs> because right. you just saw for an hour and a half that you were able mm-hmm. to let it slide and, and, move outside of that yep and yeah so i i do think that there is value to escapism and I, and I do think there is you know value to release as well of emotion In in that case laughter but you know i've heard there's uh you know catharsis in in watching sad movies and crying
1: mm-hmm. i don't okay. know
0: so much about that um i don't really cry at movies i'll get you know choked up but i, I don't cry but there's catharsis there and there's, there's physical things going on there too. When you're watching a movie that's got action that you get adrenalized mm-hmm. and, and like, Oh man, Mad Max, you want to talk about adrenalized that, that movie. I probably already talked about it in a previous episode <laughs> about right. how so adrenalized I got watching that, that movie. And just yeah. Yeah. And, but and if I happens. hadn't talked about it in that previous episode to this one, <laughs> um it adrenalized man did it it's it's constant it's it's uh, it just keeps moving and moving and moving and then stops just enough let you rest and then (laughs) oh let's get back in the cars and start driving again (laughs) so yeah Uh, but anyway with the escapism I think there's value there but like you said constant and mindless escapism it's not I mean that's 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 not the moderation that I'm talking about here.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, we've talked a little bit about then the anti intellectualism of these movies, but he's saying, you know, not challenging and not asking moral questions. I think there's, again, you can watch entertainment. That's not asking big idea questions or that's not causing you to ask big idea questions. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: On the other hand, there's sometimes you'll watch a movie that's not asking those questions and causes you, to say well what is it about this movie you know <laughs> why are they going there and and there's kind of the the anti message of of the movie mm-hmm. where you know it's it's say it's not saying anything and its silence says something to you right uh, <clears throat> and then there's the infantilism and i think we'll we'll end here Unless you have something else in, in one of those other c- categories to talk about a little bit more. But, um, yeah, just that idea of here we are. Steve, you have action figures in your office? You have action figures in your in your home that aren't I, your kids?
1: Um, we are not a big action figure family. Okay. Um, I used to have them, but I, I went through a, a purge. And then I, I let my kids play with the ones that I kept. And they got lost or broken or thrown out or whatever. Um, and my kids were never really, uh, action figure kids in the first place. Um, so we, we don't have that. No, I, I, I did save one action figure and it's, and it's, it's a Mac man,
0: <laughs> Mac man,
1: Mac. Oh, I remember mobile, you
0: talking about those
1: mobile action commands. Yeah. It's just, it's it's like a, a faceless. I mean, it's 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 a nobody character. He has no name. It's just uh, one of those things where you could put it in any truck or any playset, and it just happens to be black. And there are blue ones and red ones and you know all different color u- uniform ones. But this one, just for whatever reason, I saved it because I haven't seen very many Mac Men around, and uh, that's mm. what the only one I have. And I, I drive a bus, so I really can't have a lot of. Knickknacks and stuff.
0: Well, you you sent me some pictures, or I looked it up after we talked about it. Yeah, because that was really intriguing. Those toys. Yeah, that was that was. You should cool. do an
1: episode yeah. on Mac Men. <laughs> if the if the listeners are really interested, I have no idea what their experience with Mac Men are. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to know about mine, so they were just they were just one of those, you know, uh, toys that came out before Star Wars. So they're they're off model you know they're not the the same type of uh, toy that uh, Star Wars came out with or you know GI Joe the the little GI Joes or anything like that it was smaller you know in, in everything so
0: yeah but
1: but, I'm, I'm, i don't have a lot of i don't have a lot of those i i sort of the the things that i have now i'm, I'm looking around trying to you know i, I still have a lot of, of of comic books that the kids tear through and stuff like that but no I, I don't have I, I don't have a lot of showy stuff I used to have a ton of Star Wars stuff but then with the episode three came out and it sort of put everything in that wonky light I sort of just sort of let them you know slowly go the way of the buffalo
0: yeah i I had um i I was at that convention uh, a few weekends ago. And I was sitting next to Tim Barron. And the interesting thing about Tim Barron and I is the projects we end up working on, especially the last two, tend to be kind of nostalgic projects. But what mm. I'm I am hoping, you know, because those are the ones there's Momotor and the Conquerors of the Cosmos, and then the one we just did recently was Frankenstein okay. and the Conquerors of the Cosmos. <laughs> and the cover of these looks like the packaging art from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, right? You know where it looks like it looks like the card, and looks like there's a figure in the bubble, mm-hmm. uh, and the bubble, or, or rather the figure art, is intended to look like a He-Man action right. figure from from the 80s. And the stories itself then also lends itself to that that idea that is kind of the, that Saturday morning cartoon. However. I haven't heard anyone, and, and so this is where I feel like i failed a little bit. I haven't heard anyone really say, hey, you know, I caught what you were saying with that. <laughs> because I've tried to infuse it with things that would cause people to read it and not just feel nostalgia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But to read it and, and be, oh, yeah, they are actually trying to say something. and Because that's something that Tim Barron and I both really want to have happen is we sit down and as we're – developing the story he's constantly asking so what what's the theme here you right. know or or he'll he'll come up with the theme and, and shoot it my way but uh you know he's a very thoughtful artist and he does these crazy monster things but he also approaches his ideas and and wonders okay so where's I mean, where's my theology here you know what right. what is this saying and so i i i would like to think that these things from my childhood have propelled me into a you know, th- my adulthood, and that i'm not just being propelled into a you know mm-hmm. eternal childhood that we're not dealing <laughs> with a Peter Pan syndrome kind of thing here because yeah
1: you're you're letting it inform your adulthood
0: but not uh not consume hopefully right. yeah so but yeah because that's the other thing i mean as far as strangers and aliens go the reason we're doing this podcast in the first place is because we do feel like there's there's things to talk about here
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we do feel like they're important to yep. talk about so
1: yeah like i said everything is is theology to me anyway and so when i when i look at these things i i mean they're they're all uh teaching uh, things or they're all you know. There's 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 something that I can I can pull out of it that you know that that there's whatever it, there's there's some little nugget and I have to find it and I have to to use it somehow and if I don't I, I sort of take it as like okay well that was sort of a waste <laughs> you know and I can sort of you know maybe just you know repent and move on from whatever you know that thing that wasted my time was but. I try not to have many of those in my life. You know, when I when I pick things to watch, when I pick things to to read or whatever, you know, I, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I go back to the things from my childhood is because those were some of the things that made those huge impacts. You know, I, I'll reread Thor 337 to 350, whatever it was, 362, I guess, where it was just this massive years long epic of Norse mythology and and you know in the Marvel universe and all this different stuff ripping everything to shreds and and changing everything and just the 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 scale of it was fantastic but the all the themes that he put in there and all the the Norse mythology that he put in there and all the, the themes that Norse mythology has and I mean he just layered it and layered it and layered it mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if I ever had a chance to, to do something like that, I would, you know, I'd be thankful <laughs> that I, I was able to read that over and over again. Um, but things like that, you know, I'll, I'll take that to inform my, you know, my, my adulthood and, and hopefully inform it in a, in a positive way you know, and just take the good stuff. And this just let the other stuff go.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Steve, you take the good, you take the bad, you take the bad, you take the both, take and them there both. you have. There
1: you have. Yeah. The third th- 337 of life. to 360. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's also something to be said of discovery of new things that we missed because we were young.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I,
0: I mean, I'm not talking about discovery of things we didn't see, but things that we experienced as youth. Right. But then look at it now and say, "Oh, that was actually saying this, or that was actually trying right. to say yeah. that." So, well, I think we've uh, covered this topic enough for for one night. Um, but it definitely, I am curious if any of you who are listening right now have any kind of uh, thoughts uh, that basically point out how we're completely off our rockers. <laughs> <laughs> As we're talking about this. Uh, I just think Simon Pegg, he, honestly, I don't think I don't feel like other than when he said that he's I'm, I'm maybe ready to walk away from my geekdom. I, I feel like that might have been really overstating what he was thinking. But Go his ahead. original comments, I feel like there there's validity there. And that's why we wanted to spend time to talk about it, because I think that there was stuff to talk about mm-hmm. in, in his comments. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, Steve, you have any other any final words that you'd like to leave Mr. or Mrs. or Miss or, or Ms. listener with?
1: Um I think I'm good. You are? Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I do want to thank you for listening, everyone, and I want to thank you, Steve, for joining me here on on the big show.
1: So thanks for inviting me. <laughs> so while wow, this has been a really interesting I hope you have me back.
0: <laughs> I have a feeling I will. <laughs> <laughs> So, thanks for listening, everyone, and Godspeed.
1: Did we fill up enough time?
0: Well, yeah, but you talked over it. Oh. So not to say it again. Thanks for listening, everyone, and Godspeed.
1: Can you edit that out?
0: No, because. You've it's, been listening to the Strange Land Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, I, I articles, can hear reviews, you. Uh, and you talking over me. You can also email us Dr.
1: directly oh.
0: at podcast at or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. Should we do our post-credit?
1: <laughs> Did we already do that one?
0: Yeah, I'm going to play it right now. Okay. Strangers and Aliens, episode 156. Infantilationism, anti-intellectualism, generationalism, and escapism in sci-fi or not. That's a really terrible, terrible <laughs> title.
1: <laughs> I like it. <laughs>
0: That's just not going to look good on the blog.
1: How about the four horsemen of the thing? <laughs> the four horsemen
0: of the thing?
1: Well, whatever thing <laughs> we're talking about. The the, the, the the cultural stuff and things. Uh, um, Yeah,
0: I really should have thought that through before we started here.
1: The four horsemen of uh, fantasy.
0: Or um, when I was a child, I... Childish things, but now I'm an adult and I don't do them anymore.
1: The four horsemen of the of pop nerdism.
0: Of nerd culture?
1: Nerd culture. The four Yeah.
0: The four horsemen of nerd culture neg nah.
1: Negative nerdness. <laughs>
0: How about sci-fi and childishness? Childishness, Simon Pegg. because we got to put him in the title for the uh, SEO. I don't know what SEO stands Simon for. Pegging
1: Simon on. Oh wait! Childish fantasy, childish fantasy, or whatever.
0: Pegging nerds.
1: Childish Simon fantasy. says.
0: Simon Peg says. Okay, good.
1: Peg childishism.
0: Simon says nerds are childish. Or Simon says don't
1: do this. Simon says,
0: Simon, says, <laughs> Simon
1: says he does not think it is all generated by dominant forces as a direct means of control much.
0: <laughs> Simon says...
1: Simon says I am still a nerd.
0: Comic book movies are stunting our growth.
1: <laughs> our intellectual growth.
0: Pegging stunted intellectual That's a stupid title. <laughs> Pegging stunted intellectual growth.
1: How about Simon Loves Pig?
0: <laughs> we can't record without a title, can we?
1: Sure. Uh, <laughs> the titleless episode. How about that?
0: The childishness of geekdom.
1: There we go. The
0: childishness of geekdom. Thoughts on Simon Pegg's thoughts. (laughs) How's that? (laughs) All right. Oh, man. Godspeed, everyone.